Hello, hello, hello. It's Wednesday and it's time for Pop and Politics. We are talking about the latest in hot topics, news, and entertainment. I'm KJ, and let me introduce you to my co-host. Uh, we have Shelly E. Hi, everybody. Yes, we have Yana. Hello. We have T. Hi. And it's the last Wednesday of the month. So, as usual, we are joined by Tyrone Keys of Money Changes Everything. How are you tonight, Tyrone? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Loving this weather here in Maryland. We had a, a beautiful 70 degree plus day. It felt like 80. Yeah. <laughs> in the yes, car, right? All right. So uh, again, join the conversation by leaving a comment on our Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We will check the comments periodically throughout the show. And don't just comment, subscribe. Subscribe to our social media so you always know when we post new content. Check us out on our website at www.metroconservativemedia.com for up-to-date information. We are a necessary voice in news and entertainment. All right, let's all right, everybody, let's set it off. Okay, so tonight we are starting right out, uh, right in the beginning with you, Tyrone. I wanted to um, see what you have for us today as far as what's going on with uh, different finance and economic uh, happenings. Well, yeah, um, the one major thing that's going on in the world today is a real wake up call. Uh, what happened recently in Canada with their uh, Emergencies Act it had a lot of financial ramifications. And I want you to notice that you didn't hear any of the Western governments uh, condemning what they did. Okay, so what do they always say? They say silence is consent, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, let's run with that. So with this Emergencies Act, they said if you donated any money at all or supported those truckers in that convoy in any way, they were going to uh, suspend your bank account, um, suspend your credit accounts, seize your property in the form of the trucks that uh, these gentlemen and ladies were up there protesting in and also canceled their insurance. There's also a move now that they've confiscated the uh, property, the trucks, and they're going to try to sell them and put the money into the coffers of Canada. Okay. This is private property that has been seized. So because we haven't heard any condemnation from the Biden administration or Boris over in the UK or you know, Macron in France, we can rightfully and I think smartly assume that they're okay with this. So what should that tell you? It's more uh, proof that the Western governments have decided that they're going to, they're, they're good with enacting tyranny and control through your wallet, all right? So people really have to become very aware of where they're putting their money, okay? Uh, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of the banks in terms of growing your money. That's really not their purpose. Uh, the purpose of a bank, if you want to make money, you can either invest in it or take a loan from them. But uh, as a saver, 
you're losing uh, money. You're becoming poorer because of inflation. So this is what we're seeing with the governments of the world today. People need to be very aware and they need to watch platforms like this, Metro Conservative Media, also the uh, Money Changes Everything channel. If they want to stay on top of what's going on with their money. All right. And so, and we have been, we've talked about what is going on in Canada recently. Uh, this is the truckers who have been uh, protesting the mandates. And because of that, uh, Trudeau, who is a leader in Canada, has enacted this emergency uh, situation where they've seized bank accounts of the protesters and anyone that interacts with them. So my question is, so what, what, what could someone do about that, though, as, as citizens? Is there any, any repercussion, anything that we can do or response that we can make towards that? Or, or where would we, how would we stop that from happening? I know you mentioned something about banks are not a good place to put your money. Yeah. Um, one of the way, and I've done a lot of thinking about this, and there's actually uh, a lot of people uh who are from Jim Rickards, who is a uh, world-renowned uh, investor. A lot of people are thinking about that question. And what we're kind of uh, solidifying an answer around is to set up ecosystem, economic ecosystems of your own. So, for example, I live in an area that is uh, semi-rural. We have a lot of farms in this area, and I uh, buy some of my family's food from these farms. So I've actually started to have conversations with these people about whether or not they would take silver, okay, in exchange for uh, their goods. And one of these farms that I've talked to, they're very open to that. Okay. Now, of course, uh, that's not going to be a solution for everything that I need to purchase. BG&E is not going to take silver. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we do what we can. So uh, looking at little ecosystems you can build. And I want people to understand something. Canada is also attacking Bitcoin. They've been successful in taking Bitcoin out of wallets up there. So that, to me, is not a viable alternative. So where you can locally, uh, try to see if you can set up this like ecosystem of bartering or uh, exchange in some other means, in some other means of exchange. Now, you mentioned Bitcoin. I know, Yana, you had a question regarding cryptocurrency. Uh, can, you, can you talk about that? Sure. Well, with crypto and just digital currency in general, like you were saying, it's really difficult to predict what is going to happen with that. And how can you secure your digital currency like that? So, for example, if the government regulates the Internet uh, completely, or let's say uh, there's no energy source, so we cannot even power our technology to log into our accounts. Uh, what can is crypto something that people should be considering, or do you think that's that's uh, we should not even be thinking about it? I actually think crypto is if you're a speculator and a trader, then crypto, you know, getting into that world, a lot of people have made money in that way. Uh, but one thing about crypto, it has never gone through a financial crisis. Okay. Uh, it's not old enough to have experienced one. So we're seeing kind of how it reacts now. It's reacting kind of like a tech stock and it's down precipitously. So uh, 
I personally do not own any crypto uh, because I don't believe that if if I if I can't necessarily put my hands on it, then the ownership, my my true ownership of it is kind of nebulous. And then real quick, Yana, if you look at the Colonial Pipeline ransom that took place last year, the FBI was able to go back in and seize that Bitcoin, even though those perpetrators had it in what was called a cold wallet. So these governments, that crypto mm-hmm. is, is not beyond their reach by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Thank you. Yeah, that's interesting, guys. There were so whoever uh, received, well, they were supposed to receive that money. You're saying they actually never got that ransom. They they got it, but then the FBI was able to recapture it. They took it right out of their wallet and took it back. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Shelly, what did you have? Did you have a question? So I was just listening to um, Tyrone, and I was thinking the same thing about the bartering and exchange system. And short of a good mattress and a lock on your door, going back to this agrarian ways, if I don't know, it sounds like we need to... Uh, return to this really, really localized system of exchange, barter and exchange, and for real, keeping money under your mattress. I mean, I well, like the silver idea. That that sounds really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, going back to the basics, I'll have a satchel. And, you know, the U.S. Mint produces legal tender silver coins, okay? Now, of course, their value is higher than the face value of the coin, uh, but if you're talking to someone who's savvy, uh, they should, they may be open to uh, exchange in that way. So now with regard to cash, remember, we're we're at a point where inflation is so uh, pernicious that the dollar has actually been losing about a percentage point in value every month for the past two years. So to the extent that you can convert money into an asset that appreciates and get it out of the dollar, the better off, uh, you know, you will be. All right. Uh, T, what was your, your question? Um, yeah, I was really thinking about um, land and, and property and real estate. Now everyone's into real estate. They're buying up properties and flipping them. But what is a more lucrative and beneficial way to use land and to use real estate? T, that's an excellent question. And it actually is something that I'm working on. I like, look, I grew up in West Baltimore in a row house. I've had enough of living right beside my (laughs) next door neighbor. Okay. So like I said, I'm on well and septic. I have land. And um, part of what I want is for this land to produce. Okay. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we all have to eat. Okay, so Mm -hmm. if you can produce on that land uh, trees that grow fruit, uh, a garden, I really, truly believe that we need to get back to those types of skills Uh, here Mm -hmm. in America. We've gotten way too far away from them. So the other thing I'm looking at, and a friend of mine just bought a ranch in the southwest. I'm looking at a lot more land, uh, and I'm actually Mm -hmm. looking at it to... I'm looking at land that has timber on it because I can sell that and regrow it. It's a renewable resource. And I can also lease it to farmers. So that's one way that I think you can have the asset that is real estate and you can also have mm-hmm. it producing income as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no, that's good. 
Yeah, that certainly is, especially when you talk about uh, land and tending to land and growing your own food and vegetables. Um, that's something I think we need more of as far as teaching people how to do that. Uh, so I certainly agree with that. Uh, and I just want to get your, your insight on just bringing it back to you know the government seizing private assets. Uh, where do you think this goes next? Just to get your, 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 uh, your opinion on that, as far as, you know, we saw this happening in Canada. We obviously believe, as you mentioned, that since this hasn't, no, the other westernized governmental leaders haven't said anything against it. So, do you believe this could actually happen here in the United States? Well, in a way, it already has. Uh, if we look back at the um, mandates and how they arranged that so that if you didn't do it, you could lose your job. OK, that was a form of uh, that was really a form of socialism in that the government was, in a way, seizing the means of production. Uh, so I this is why I am like really big on financial independence and independence otherwise. Okay. I do believe that it could happen in the United States, but I think that one of the major roadblocks to that, quite frankly, is the second amendment. Uh, you see that in Australia, when they gave up that right, they, it wasn't long after that they were subjugated by their government. So I would encourage folk to, um, you know, start thinking about these issues. And the last thing I would say is I really would encourage people to develop a skill, a hard skill, okay? Now, um, I, at one point, I was an EMT. Now, that knowledge will never leave my head. You know, I, I know how to do that, even though I'm not certified. So uh, if, God forbid, something happens to a family member, I can work in that capacity. My brothers are mechanically inclined. I would encourage people to go out and and acquire a skill. I think that's going to be essential as we move further into the 21st century. All right. That's wonderful. I would love uh, if you ever speak to young people about this, this is what teenagers should be hearing. Yes, absolutely. I, I certainly agree. And that is why we have you on here every uh, when, well, the last Wednesday of every month. Uh, this is Tyrone Keys with Money Changes Everything. He is a wealth of knowledge. Please check him out on YouTube, on Facebook, uh, under Money Changes Everything. You will not be, uh, you will surely be uh, assisted with that. So uh, again, anything, any last thoughts other than that, Tyrone, before we let you go? That's it. I just want to thank you all for uh, having me again. And I look forward to uh, next month. All right. All right. Have a good night. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so we uh, we are happy to, again. Like I mentioned, he has been so helpful to us, and and that is key. I mean, when you think about it, not only developing a something, a, a trade or or some type of skill, but when you think about the way we're moving, and you know, just it seems chaotic nowadays. Um, that skill can be life saving. Uh, it's not just as far as, you know, uh, pushing yourself up in as far as your career, but I mean, life-saving, depending yeah, on literally. what you're doing on this. Yeah, we have to be self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. That's the only way. People cannot be relying on other people or the government, especially. Uh, or or your boss. You can't rely yeah. on your boss either. That's you true. have to create your own um, streams of income. Absolutely. Not only that, but health. 
We have to be healthy. We have to be mm-hmm. able to move and maneuver and, and do certain things on our own. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, we can be left behind. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, again, we're moving right along to our next topic, Marilyn Mosby. So, uh, Marilyn Mosby has been in the news. She continues to be in the news. Uh, so now she has, it's basically what's love got to do with it. So in new filings, Baltimore's indicted state's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, says she is an innocent spouse and adds new names, most notably that of city council president, Nick Mosby, to the list of those she blames. I want to give you guys some background before we really dig into this. So Mosby alleges through her lawyers that her husband made multiple mistakes that led to the Internal Revenue Service placing a 45200 lien on their Reservoir Hill house in February 2020 for unpaid taxes. She says she knew nothing about the lien because her husband was in charge of the couple's tax returns. She only glanced at it. Um, at her salary figure before signing the forms and had concealed withdrawals he had made from his 401k retirement plan over a period of six years. So lacking knowledge of her husband's premature withdrawals in 2014 and 2015, subsequent tax problems with the IRS, Marilyn Mosby swore that she had no tax liabilities on a September 2020 mortgage application for a Florida condominium. This is the basis for the charges or one of the charges against her. Uh, The next month, the existence of the tax lien was widely reported by the news media. So why then did Mosby also fail to disclose the application for a second Florida vacation property in January, 2021? Her chief defense attorney, Scott A. Scott Bolden, gives her answer uh, this way in the new filings. In November 2020, her husband, Nick Mosby, informed state's attorney Mosby as well as the public that the lien had been paid off, her lawyer says. So in other words, Baltimore's top prosecutor says that her spouse lied to her. She took his word for it. Uh, so her chief, again, he, uh, in other words, yes, he, he said she lied to her. And so even so, how could she have not known about the lien when the IRS had sent notices. So this is just some background information. This is all from the Baltimore Brew. So you can definitely check it out on there. Um, so again, as a result, she had to rely on her husband's records and on accountant Sheriff Small, Sharif Small, who prepared the couple's September returns in 2019. So starting off with you, Shelly, uh, what are your thoughts on Marilyn Mosby's response through her attorney this week? Okay, so I am going to tell you that, first of all, I think it's incredibly sad that their marriage is being displayed like this to the public. Um, I think I know that they are high profile public officials, but I still think they are entitled to some privacy. I think this is sad, notwithstanding the lawsuit. Um, I think that as sp- spouses have, uh, what do you call it? I don't know, spousal immunity, immunity, something like that. I forget the terminology. So a spouse does not have to testify against his or her spouse. Um, All of that is in the hopes of keeping the marriage intact. 
I've read the indictment last night and her, well, the defense's response. I read their response last night. Um, I looked at the exhibits. They, she did say she did not know. And Nick Mosby signed affidavits saying that he was in charge of the finances and, and, and paying the taxes. So he signed affidavits, which are, which are evidence to the case. All right. Uh, Yana, I want to go to you. It, you know, it's what are your thoughts on her response? Is she throwing her husband under the bus? Well, yeah. I mean, she leftist women, they are empowered and courageous uh, until they get in trouble or they're independent. And then they get in when they get in trouble. It's the man's fault. So um, what if it was a man who was implicated in some financial misdealings and he would just say oh that's my wife and I had no idea like that would sound ridiculous but because it's coming from a woman again she's using like a gender card it seems like at this uh at this time so she's trying all these different ways to uh not take responsibility and then she has um a important position that people trust her with to make decisions and with uh she's a prosecutor and she doesn't even know what's going on in her family finances so it already shows that how can people trust her in general and you know in terms of just the whole this whole leftist uh feminism they're very contradicting people it seems like um on one hand they want to say that they're completely capable as uh as men and should be trusted just as uh, we would trust a man. And then when something goes wrong, it's like, well, I'm going to blame the man. So that's what I see from that. All right. Gee, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Now she's saying that she didn't know because her husband lied to her. What are your thoughts? I, I think that I knew that it was going to come to this in the first place because they, I mean, either she's throwing him under the bus or he's being used as a sacrifice or a scapegoat. And it could be both or a mixture of both. But I saw this in the beginning. I knew it would come down to a decision that they made in their marriage. Either she didn't listen to him or I didn't know how it was going to come out, but I knew it was going to be something like this, but she didn't listen to his decisions. But I guess he's being a scapegoat or being sacrificed right now. Um, but I wonder what would come of it as far as will he be um will charges come against him now like what what will come of it now but yeah i knew this would happen that's a good question i mean we have a situation here where you have two people who lead in the city and uh it, it looks like or sounds like they don't know how to handle their own personal business not only that but my question to you all is uh what is the situation now going forward uh Let's say she she does you know beat these charges. Does she come across as someone capable of running uh, the, the city of, of being the, the top prosecutor for Baltimore City based off of this? It sounds like a bunch of mess to me. Well, I would agree. It sounds like a mess. Well, I think it is a mess, number one. But I do want to clarify something. As much as I did not vote for Marilyn Mosby, will not vote for her, and I would discourage anybody from doing so based on her record of being a prosecutor. Having a tax lien is not illegal. 
That is that people get tax liens all the time and they pay them back to the IRS for underpaying their taxes or for whatever. That is not illegal. That is a charge or that is a claim that's being used as a defense for her the charges. So let's get that straight. She is not being charged with having a tax lien, which is not illegal. Any American can have a tax lien. So that's number one. Number two, going forward, um, I, I have said before that I thought that these charges were kind of, I, I think I used the word petty, Although I think she did what they are charging her, I think they were petty charges to charge her. I think she should have been charged way back when, when uh, for the civil rights at the Freddie Gray, the officers that she did not um, convict. So I think that there were greater charges that she could have been brought up on earlier. Going forward, I hope, I hope she's not reelected because she's not good for Baltimore just on the merits. Again, on her watch, seven years, we've had 300 plus murders. Actual lives have been snuffed out and she still is holding to this um, restoration, historical restoration, whatever policy that she has, not prosecuting, not collecting criminals and violent criminals and keeping them in jail. So she is very deadly to Baltimore. I think literally deadly to Baltimore. Now, so I see what you're saying. However, the way that she's handled her response in this case uh, shows a lot to her character and basically to her confidence. Uh, she take responsibility, right. right? She doesn't take responsibility. And secondly, I'm sure you guys have. Done, I've dealt with attorneys. Just, I literally deal with attorneys all day long. They dot their eyes and cross their t's on everything, not just about their work. But when you have to deal with an attorney just on regular everyday stuff, they're questioning everything. They're the worst people to deal with. Uh, <laughs> any type of business dealing you have to deal with them, it's oh wait a minute, wait a minute. What did you do this? Did you do this? Let me read. They read the fine print on everything. At least a good I agree. Point. I agree with you. I think they're like that. But I, but I, but I think they're like that in in business per in business and professional. But what I I take a, a backstand myself. I put myself in the back burner when I take the leap to put myself insert some in myself in someone else's marriage. I, I can't do that. I just can't do that in good conscience. Well, like you said, there are public couples, so and they do both work for the city. So it is kind of our business. You know what's going on with their, uh, and it's not really their marriage. Not, not their marriage. marriage. No, I can't do Money where she asked for what was it, um, fifty thousand or, or more uh, dollars because she claimed financial hardship when she actually got a raise on her yeah. salary. So you know things like that. It just shows that she cares about her own um, how to enrich herself. That's what people see. And she may like, she may feel that way, Yana, but I'm saying in their marriage, in their, but they are spouses. They can't. They have the right legally to cover each other in a trial. They have that right. That is That's not fine. illegal. I mean, is not I'm, not, I'm not against their rights. I mean, it's but it's our rights to also uh, be aware of what's going to and make our own decisions and whether believe or not believe you can her. you can but that doesn't negate that doesn't mean that i know any more than anyone else knows how she is as a as a wife being a married woman in her personal life i just can't in good conscience make that leap again I, I, I didn't go for you are conflating you are conflating no First of all, we not. have not mentioned no one actually even before this before today's show before she came out with this response 
on this show, we have never mentioned anything about her personal life. I'm saying today. I'm talking about today. I, I know, but I'm just going to say. So, so just so she brought in right. when she replied and said her husband talking about their personal yeah. life as far as and, her and the thing is, she did, but she he also he also sat with her David. Now this is uh, once she brings him in as the yeah. reason that that these mistakes, whatever was made, made. Now this opens up. Okay. I agree. I just say I'm not going to take that leap. I'm not going to take that leap and get and put myself in their marriage. She did. That's on the public record. She put it. That is that is the public record. But let's also say the other side. He also signed an affidavit saying that yes, he did do this. Shelly, you said that this is a private matter, right? This is the private matter. Let me just sorry. Let me just finish that. The private matter. She, like KJ said, she brought it up. So she brought up something that's private into the public instead of taking responsibility that she messed up in her right. private life. And as a responsible person, if this would have happened to a man, he would have taken that responsibility that his wife went behind his back and did something because he has to. Well, I don't know that that's. I don't know that any that any man, every man would have done that. They are married. No, what I'm saying. Is, what I'm saying is, is that he he did sign an affidavit saying that yes, I did that. She said this is what happened. Again, I, the charges at the charges that are laid out. It seems like the, the evidence is there that she did it. How, but that does not negate their spousal protection for each other. So I'm not going to take the leap because I don't because I don't agree or like her policies. I'm not going to take the leap and just say that everything she does or that he does is somehow you know they're they're, they're doing everything nefariously. I'm not going to take that leap. Well, Shelly, you were the one that said before. You take that leap. You can look at what we, we do is you take into consideration all things put in front of you, and you look at it. And now we haven't even we already saw what they were doing publicly as leaders. Yeah, um, we already saw. It. Now we even know. Okay, so now they're doing stuff in their private life, which we didn't need to know, but now we have to know because they they have com exactly. they have, com they have combined the private and the public. So now uh, well, I, public, we're private and public. What, what do they combine? Talk. What do they combine? I'm trying to understand what you're saying. You said what did they combine? I, mean, I didn't hear what you said. Well, I'm saying that she revealed to everybody that it's her husband that did something without her knowing. And he signed an affidavit saying he did so. No, I get that. That's on the public record. I read it last night. I read it. I agree with that. We can just we can talk about it. But the leap that I'm not about to make is the saying that she's making him a scapegoat when he signed an affidavit as well. I'm not about to. I'm not going that far. Still be a sacrifice. You know what a sacrifice is? You agree to. He's agreeing to be the sacrifice. Maybe he is, but what I'm maybe he is. I'm not saying he maybe he is. What I'm saying is that's their marriage to do that, and they have the right legal right to protect and cover each other. They have no, that legal no right. They don't. don't make it right. No one's saying they don't. It doesn't make it, it doesn't be make it okay. What, what part is not okay? Having a tax lien is not illegal. Have no the point of the whole thing was not that she had the so much that she had the tax lien. But it, that she provided, she lied on documentation 
saying. Oh, that's that hard. She... I agree with. I said that. I agree with the charges. I think she did what they said in the charges. I'm talking about those. We were talking about the spy, the spousal part that Donna said something about, you know, every a man wouldn't do that. But he signed an affidavit saying that he did it. Her husband. Well, because he took responsibility. He actually, you know, came out, I guess. And said, yes. What I'm saying is that I don't, what I'm saying is that I don't know that, I don't know that they are lying or covering. I do know they have the right to cover each other. He took the responsibility to at least take the blame for something. All she's doing is blaming everybody else. She, I think, I think she was blaming. She, she is taking the classic blame. It's not my fault. It's racism. Whatever you know, whatever right. the, uh, they're coming after her. I agree with all of that. What I'm saying is, in my mind, I'm at least trying to make a clear, uh, a separation between getting into their marital life. Yes, she brought it into the, the defense, and he signed the affidavit. That's all I'm saying. I don't know what their marriage is, or or that they are, you know, scapegoating each other. Whatever. I don't know. They have the right to cover and protect each other as husband and wife. We know that she, he's, he's lying or he didn't tell. If you want to believe him, like you say you do, then... Uh, I'm not know. saying that she didn't say that, KJ. He I signed... What what I, she said that she didn't know. He signed an affidavit saying, no, she didn't. I did handle the finances. Okay. That's it. That's all he said. That's what they said. Right. That's what they said. I mean, that's exactly what I was saying. She's not acting like a woman in charge, who she, the way she presents herself to the public. And obviously, the public is not going to trust her. I hope they don't. I hope they maybe don't. Maybe she's not her. in charge. Maybe she's not in charge in her marriage. So what does that have to do with her being in her position, her being in charge for her it's own? Not, it's not about her being her in job. charge. I'm not saying that's what I'm saying. Yeah. She has to take responsibility because whatever happens in the marriage, even if she did not know, let's say, it doesn't matter that she didn't know. This is her marriage, and she made a mistake by not knowing. Because this is a, this is a lot of money. This is uh, important. How can you make a mistake by not knowing? If you don't know, you don't know. Maybe I'm I, I I'm no, saying I don't believe her. I don't believe that she didn't know. I'm saying that she's. I believe that she's using his him as a scapegoat. I'm not saying that she doesn't know. You don't have to be. You don't have to be a housewife to not be involved in, exactly. in certain things. It's, well, it's not either or. Say, you know, I'm I'm oblivious to what's what my husband is doing, uh, because no, you know, no, there no. even... there are times. I don't that. She, I don't. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. No, I don't think that's it's that black and white. I don't. Well, we'll see because it'll play out in court. We have some uh, yeah. comments here uh, from Patty. The tax lien is not illegal, but lying about it on for loans is illegal. Thank you. Don't but forget. Wait a, minute, also, wait a minute, Patty. She's only lying. She's only lying if she knew. I'm just saying what she said. She said she didn't know, and he signed an affidavit backing her up. I'm oh, oh, don't forget. She also lied about the property being her second home, not a rental, and she had already hired a company to manage it. So the question here is one: whether she lied. Now she's saying she didn't. She's saying she didn't know. So my contention is, okay, you didn't know, but still you're negligent. And because you should have known, you should have known. Uh, so, you know, anytime you file taxes, anytime you're doing something jointly with 
anybody really, whether it's your husband, whether it's a family member, you go into a business with a family member, you go anytime you're doing something jointly with someone, you should know. So she's saying she didn't know because he didn't tell her. Did she ask him? Did he just blatantly lie about it? Those are things that you know we, we would not we would probably will come out in court. But whether she it, it just goes to show that either she's oblivious to what's going on or two that she is lying and both don't don't bode well for her being a state's attorney. That's all my point. All right. Uh, moving along, we have uh, any more? Okay, so we'll move on from there. Uh, again, please uh, continue to comment. We will continue. We will follow this story throughout the trial. Uh, join the conversation by leaving a comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We will check the comments periodically throughout the show. Also, subscribe. Subscribe to our social media so you always know when we post new content. Check us out on our website at www.metroconservativemedia.com for up-to-date information. We are a necessary voice in news and entertainment. All right. So uh, we are moving along to our next topic, which is the Kim Potter trial. So Kim Potter who killed Dante Wright was sentenced to 24 months uh, fine on manslaughter convictions. Uh, was the verdict fair and just? And how should we as the public react? So I want to start with you, Shelley. What are your thoughts? So um, I think the verdict was just based on the law. I don't know if it will ever be fair to the loss um, and of, her, of the family and his friends. I don't think there will ever be any compensation or recompense for their grief. All right. Uh, Yana, what are your thoughts? Was the verdict fair and just? No, um, it's, I mean, I feel really terrible for about this verdict. Uh, it was definitely wrong. Um, people, I, I've looked recently that there was a person who um, killed four people uh, because of a car accident. And he got 110 years in prison for that. And that's for four people, but if you break it down, that's like 27 uh, years uh, per person. So people get higher sentences for manslaughter during car accidents. And in her case, she's a, a, a police officer. She's supposed to be, tra uh, she's trained, she's been, uh, over 20 years she, she's been um, in police force. And so just really, it really doesn't make sense to me. All right. Uh, what are your thoughts, T, uh, on the verdict of uh, Kim Potter in manslaughter case against uh, Dante Wright? Was it just and fair? No, I don't, I don't think it was either just nor fair because like you, like all of you have said, really um, her, the sentence did not match her killing a man that she didn't know. He would go with the shit and she didn't know thing, right? Killing a man. And then it wasn't, it wasn't fair because a, a, a life is lost for no, for nothing, or for no reason at all. A life, another life is lost. And I don't really want to get into, it doesn't even matter about the race right now. It just matters about the fact that it, it's wrong. 
Well, that's what I wanted to ask you guys. That was my next question. Do you believe race played a role in the light sentencing? This is anybody can answer. I I don't. We can't we can't tell what was going through. I don't. I, um, so no, but it's sad that we already have so much bad press. You know the cops. You know that have been brutal. And that's, you know, always in the news. And then we just added another case that really didn't have to happen. And she made a terrible mistake that really, I don't see an excuse. And she might get out in less than two years from prison. Yes, well, looking here at the case, I have here Judge Chu, that's who presided. Uh, Decision in the case was within the discretion uh, provided by the law. So judges may depart from a presumed sentence if the judge states on record the reasons for that departure. And those reasons are well explained. Uh, This was from uh, Azari uh, Sumi, who is a uh, professor in criminal law, um, talked Mm -hmm. about it. Uh, So what does this case mean? You know, do you think do you guys think this case will have a a meaning or a. or will have an effect on on cases going forward that happen like this? Well, as I was mentioning about uh, how people have gotten much higher sentences for mistakes that they have done. And that to me does not seem fair at all. Why one person gets pretty much life sentence for a mistake and uh, another person almost nothing. So does that mean, is it because she's a police officer? Now, that's where I can see that the, the case may be different because she was a police officer. Maybe not as much as race, but the fact that she was a police officer, I can see her getting a lesser sentence because of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you look at, you know, doctors. So the number of doctors prosecuted for manslaughter uh, or or any type of consequence due to malpractice or anything like that is, is low also. Um, and it kind of to me, it seems along the same lines as like this, what happened here. If you if you have a surgeon committing you know, doing something a surgery and they make mm-hmm. a mistake, um, well, she wasn't on the job though. Mm-hmm. It's not the same because she wasn't on her job. She was at home. She was on the job. No, she was working. She was chasing him down. Oh, you know what? Okay, this was on the job. She confused the danger from gun. Right, that's the. Right. Right. She, she right. thought was, she was using the taser and she used the gun right. instead. Like, right. 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 that was negligent. Right. right. So, right. so, so, so many of these cases, I get them confused. <laughs> to Yana's point, Yana was, Yana said something about, you know, other cases have gotten more time for, uh, for the car accident or killing people with the car. But each case is supposed to stand on its own weight, the own evidence, the own aggravating factors that come into that case or or whatever, exculpatory evidence. So to say that is just carte blanche, that every it's not gonna happen that way. Number one, there's also state law. She may, she may be charged federally, I don't know. But to say that just because somebody had an accident and got 27 years and she got what, two years or less, that that's automatic unfairness. I think the unfairness again goes to the family side, the the grief side, but not necessarily the law. The law was already in place 
and she was in the course of duty. I, what I don't understand, what part, one of the things that angers me, I, I don't know if anger, anger might not be the right word, upset to me, I guess, to some degree, is that when I hear conservatives, at least, we are so black and white that, you know, there's no, no one can make a mistake. Granted, I understand the gravity that a life has been taken, but it was a mistake. There's no proof that she did this with intent, with malicious intent, with any kind of purpose to kill, or I would say murder. She didn't murder this man. It was manslaughter. It was a killing, tragic as it may be. And sometimes I, I get a little, I don't know, leery when I hear conservatives are not able to make some of those distinctions. That's a good point. This certainly was an atypical case. I mean, you don't have many uh, instances where officers mistake their gun for the right. time. So, you know, this was something that, you know, something that rarely happens. Uh, yeah. so, but so for an atypical case, you would have atypical sentencing sometimes. Uh, so, you know, this is what kind of justifies when they say to defend uh, defund the police. This justifies them, them them doing that. But I just think I've always said no. But I always thought that it's just better training. They just need better training all across the board. I mean, she's been in the police force, as far as I know, for over twenty years. So I don't know if it's yeah, she. Crazy. This shouldn't be a reason that she. So I don't know what was going on there. Um, she just she is a disgrace to all the police officers after this very disappointing case. It is disappointing. Mm -hmm. But to KJ's point about the, the hospitals, every year for a number of years, for decades, there have been more than 150,000, 200,000 plus people who have died from medical care. Medical right. mistakes is what they call them. And I think they should be prosecuted much Medical more. mistakes. So, I mean, to say that, I don't know if she's a disgrace. Maybe she is. That's for the, the police force to determine. Um, but it's it, it's sad all the way around. She's going to serve her time. I don't know what two years or less. Again, that will never be enough. Nothing will satisfy the loss to that family. Yeah, that's true. especially this way, the way it happened, right. a mistake by a cop. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, um, I mean, to go, I would still say this wouldn't be something where you could hang your hat on the whole defund the police uh, narrative. Um, again, like any job. You have situations like this where people make mistakes. Uh, at least in this, we do know it was a mistake because we have the video and you can honestly see that she definitely made a mistake. Um, and, and you have jobs like this that are high anxiety uh, professions. You know, look at uh, pilots, uh, again, doctors, people in the medical field, all high anxiety, life or death uh, professions. And mistakes happen, unfortunately. So um, thank God, not as many mistakes. So things like this, we don't hear of often. Uh, so th that is something to kind of be, I guess, somewhat take solace in. I want to go to some of the comments here. So I have uh, Stephen, uh, in the heat of the moment, she mistook a one pound taser for a five pound gun. What is the point of all the training that cops do if after 20 years, you can't tell them apart? Yeah, that's true. But easier said than done. I know personally, I have never been in a situation where at the heat of the moment, I'm reaching for a gun, taser, fingernail file, whatever. I've never been in a situation like that. Uh, 
So I, I don't know. But to his point, they, they have been under, they get immense training. Maybe the training is not enough. Um, maybe this is a, a, a call to add more money to the police department for extensive training. Or maybe they need to pay these people more so you can get more, higher, highly qualified people. I've been saying that for years. Uh, you, they need to have people, you know, take people, pay these police officers more and, and you get a, a better qualified person, perhaps. Um, and I say this, you know, you have a lot of times where you hear these police officers are, are working overtime to make a whole more money um, and, and things like that, stealing on the job, which I don't uh, condone. But when you look at the salaries of these police officers, they're making next to nothing. So um, I don't know. I'll move on. I have here Cassandra. Drunk driving gets more time. She was supposed to be a trained professional. Dante did not sign a disclaimer when he signed his lease. Okay. I don't know what you mean by his lease. Um, but yeah. Yeah, these are all definitely these are all uh, um, adequate comments. So uh, again, continue the comments, uh, continue the conversation by leaving a comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We will check the comments periodically throughout the show. Don't just comment, subscribe. Uh, subscribe to our social media so you always know when we post new content. All right. So we have our Black History Moment. I believe this is the last week, I think, in February for us. Do, are we meet, Is next Wednesday in February? No, yeah, no, it's the last uh, Wednesday. Oh, okay. right. So you want to highlight uh, a moment in Black history? Can you talk to us about it, T? Yeah, so we're talking about not a person here. We're talking about the actual city of Baltimore. Um, during the Great Migration, the population of, you know, people that came, the, the freed slaves that came to Baltimore, everyone, we migrated here and we had these nice jobs. And between 1910 and 1970, there was 85,000 to 420,000 Black Americans that moved to Baltimore City. We had, and most of them were early or early on, they were in-state transplants, but most of them came from the South as well. We had organizations, um, family, everyone had their nice jobs. People worked at the Bethlehem Fairfield shipyard where they built ships and everything, and um, which is now the harbor. We're at the harbor now. Lewis Bottling Company, they were businessmen, investors, many rags to riches, so to speak, stories coming from slavery here. We were, black people were thriving in Baltimore. We had the harbor, so we had imported and exporting businesses and um, and both female and females work down there. So Baltimore hasn't always been the city that we know it as today. We actually had a lot of thriving blacks here um, during that time. Um, the, and the Brotherhood of Liberty, which was one of the organizations, black organizations, basically paved, <clears throat> paved the way for NAACP and other black organizations after them. And they were formed here, Brotherhood of Liberty. So we, Baltimore City has, We've been there. They go right there. Those fine gentlemen. Um, we've had a lot of um, good things for black people that happen in Baltimore. And we still do. We just got to keep that reminder in this Black History Month of Baltimore City that we're, we didn't just come from from nothing. We came here to do a lot and we did it and we're still doing it and we're thriving. 
Absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. And thank you so much for uh, providing that information, that reminder uh, for us of our Black history right here in Baltimore City. So I like those outfits, uh, the clothes they were wearing back then. Yes. Yes. And we, we, looked, we looked like we were something and somebody. <laughs> absolutely. So that's what I think. It's like when you, when you dress the part, you do it. You, sometimes that helps to motivate you to act a, a certain way. Right. Mm -hmm. All yeah. right. We have a comment here uh, from Patty. We had Armco Steel at Edison Highway and Biddle Street. Great mm -hmm. paying jobs. GM and Dundalk as well. General Electric downtown. So many good paying jobs for our city residents with easy access to get to. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we and back then we wanted to work. We wanted to do better. We had community. We had shame. We had all these things in, in our community that made us better, not just within ourselves, but within our own communities and the people around us. Just the times were, were better then. Right. And one other thing we had was traditional marriage. So that segues us right into our next topic, because this Absolutely. is not a traditional marriage and we're going to talk about it. All right, so uh, we're talking about Sina and Adnan Akan. Uh, got married in their 20s and quickly fell into a rut. They started living apart in October and will do so for a maximum of three years. So far, it's done wonders for their relationship. They have separate New York City apartments. Uh, she, uh, uh, Sana goes on to say, we lived together for six and a half years before deciding to make our own rules and do what works best for us and our love story. Uh, so she wrote this in the video posted on January 29th, which has amassed over 1 million views at the time of the writing. So I want to bring, you know, talk about this with you ladies. I'm going to start with you, Shelly. Uh, is this marriage in name only, or is this reimagining of a marriage? What are your thoughts? I do think it is reimagining marriage. Um, I, I think they're legally married, so it's not just in name only, but I'm not totally against it either. All right. What about you, Yana? Uh, what do you think about this marriage? Is, is this traditional? Is this, is this well, it's definitely reimagining marriage. I don't think this is going to work for them long term. That's just my opinion. I think she's trying to have her cake and eat it too. So she, she rebelled against her her culture, and now she's trying to have to live both you know in both worlds. All right. Want to um, ask you, T, uh, is this a reimagining of, of marriage or is this marriage in name only? It's it's both. Um, but it, it was a traditional marriage. It started off as a traditional marriage, but they changed it and made it into modern. And this is I mean, this this they don't seem like they like Yana said, they're from somewhere else or maybe their parents are from another country. But this is a, something that I don't really like to see when with other countries or other cultures, when they come here to America, they lose all of their traditions, they lose all of their culture. Well, sometimes they become too Americanized and I don't like that. I'd like for them, I like to see them keep their culture as well and oh, yeah. within their own culture. Right. Yeah, because we, um, when you think about it though, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say she, 
she got into this New York lifestyle, you know, this very leftist lifestyle. I went through her uh, Instagram, so uh, I know what she's about. And yeah, she she writes in her article that she was pressured into marriage by family, uh, that they expected them to get married right after college. And in the whole article, she barely mentions what he thought about it. And it seems like, like she said that, um, for example, that she was coming home and she didn't want to be, she didn't want to even talk to him. Like there, she was so, so tired and she was frustrated. And she, she said, we were basically living for each other. Well, that's when she was talking about that she was trying to make it work. And she said, we were basically living for each other versus for ourselves. But isn't that marriage when you live for each other? Well, I want to ask you guys something. I want to go back to something T said about um, she didn't like that they didn't, they came here and, and got Americanized or Westernized. But you find a lot um, when immigrants come, you know, most times, you know, one person comes, whether it's the father or the mother, and they go years, they can go years without seeing one another. Uh, you know, especially in the Caribbean culture, a lot of them come over here to make money and they send it over to their home country. They'll have husband there, they'll have kids, maybe they'll bring you know, the kids over a little later or they may have, but the, or maybe they don't have kids. And and they um and they making money, sending it back home, and then the husband or whoever the spouse comes over. So um, do you see that a lot with immigrant families? What are, what are you guys' thoughts on that? They don't do that. That's by true. Choice. Hmm? Okay, Jay, they don't do that by choice. Uh, the, uh, you know, when immigrants, when one spouse has to come here and not see the other spouse for years and years, that's tragic. That is tragic, especially if they have children. Um, that's not what they want. So in her case, that's what she wants. And she wants to have a single woman lifestyle. And like, basically she just wants to have a boyfriend. So it, it seems like to me that she doesn't care that her husband, you know, goes home by himself or he has to, you know, take care of himself. Uh, he doesn't I don't even know. How does it work? <laughs> I've read that same article, and granted, we can all have different opinions, but how did you get all of that out that, Yana? Because oh, from the article, they both they both live wherever they live separately, and they come together. Um, but I didn't see that she's neglecting him or he's neglecting her. And the article is from her perspective. So from her perspective, but even she didn't say anything. Like I'm just under, I'm just trying to understand how you got all of that because it sounds well, like I'm imagining that you know you you were together, right? You were you uh -huh. love each other, and then you know all of a sudden now this person is somewhere else. So you don't know what they're doing. If they are they having a good day? Are they having a bad day? Do they? That's why they have phone calls. That's why they connect with each other during the week. Well, they see each other during the week. That's not having a friend. That's not having a. They see each other during the week. That's just like that's a boyfriend. A boyfriend. <laughs> it's okay to have. It's okay to be boyfriend and girlfriend when you're married. It is very much okay to be boyfriend and girlfriend when you're married. That's a different. That's a different dynamic, though. It's not. I, I don't, no, I mean, this is temporary. They are doing it. I mean, this is like you said, it's from her perspective. Apparently, it's working for them. Um, it sounds like, I don't know all the details, of course, but it sounds like from what she wrote, it's working for them. It's getting them reacquainted, um, refreshed in their marriage. They, It's a, it's a time. According to her, from her perspective. Um, 
that they both it's a mutual I'm I'm believing that it's a mutual well otherwise he would ask for divorce. I don't whether she trying to make her happy however he can. Accommodating everything that this woman is asking of him, and she is not worried that he might be seeing someone else. Well, that's the thing. To me, it's just—it's it, not a marriage. And again, it's just my opinion. Yeah. To me, it's not a marriage. Now, I understand the the concept of wanting your own space, especially when mm-hmm. you're married for a long period of time. They haven't even been married long to me, but whatever. So, right. um, but. Uh, you you would want to do it within the confines of your own home. You and again, I don't know what their religious uh, their religious affiliation is, but as far as I know, you know, the Bible says when two become one. Uh, so you get married. You're in the same home. You're in the same ho- household. You don't happen. You don't go, split into two separate houses for three years. Do you think they'll get back together after whatever time and they're just gonna magically uh work? They're still seeing they're still seeing each other, but let's take it outside of the country. She wants to move back in together at some point, but do you think that's right? I'm saying they're they're still seeing each other right now, but even outside of just this couple, um, like I don't know who mentioned it, but KJ said sometimes people are separated for other reasons. Maybe it's not by choice, but the outcomes and the consequences therein could still be the same. Military families are separated, maybe not by choice, but they still have to work through the separation, the reacquainting, the, the keeping in touch, things like that. They still have to maintain the household. I do. I will say this about this living apart together, I think it's called living apart together. One thing I did notice is that you have to have money to do this, to have two households. So, yeah. <laughs> the money part is a real, I think, is a real, um, a real important t- part of it. Well, that's what you know. I know. That's a good point you made, uh, Shelly, because a lot of times we find, well, at least I find, that money kind of actually can make things a little worse because it gives mm-hmm. you it gives you options mm-hmm. that you would not have, and because money, of those, having money gives you options, period. So it might, yeah, but it's it can be good or bad. <laughs> not always a good thing when it comes to familial situations i mm-hmm. think you know for instance just with this you know people we have more money now so now people have more tvs in their house they have mm-hmm. larger houses so families aren't connected as much right. as they would be mm-hmm. and so same thing with husband and wife you know they have of course like you mentioned they have this money so they can have two separate households but is that always the best thing for a couple? I, I don't for a marriage. I don't know, right for a marriage. I don't. I don't know if I. Would I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm just saying I'm not against it in the sense that I. I mean I know people who have, who have separated because they have marital problems. They separate for a time being and they work on it while they're separated and then they come back together. So I'm. That's why I'm saying I'm not totally against this. Um, particularly if the goal and they are both working to to uh to to reunite the marriage. I've known someone that actually they were having problems in their marriage and they decided to move away, uh, move away from each other or move out or whatever. But that actually helped them in that case. Um, They were they lived away or apart for many years. They weren't separate. They were still married. They still they had children. They lived like a separate, separate house or separate um, marriage. But it brought them together more or better. What did they get back together eventually? 
they got back together eventually and then they divorced. <laughs> and let's be real. According to the statistics, there are many people who live, who are married, live in the same house and are basically separated as well. So, just just because, so yeah. just because you don't see it as obvious as this couple and this growing trend, it seems to be, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. So it, at least, at least from what on appearance, it sounds like these couples are working um, towards reuniting their marriage on, on a good way, in a good way. Yeah, but let me, I mean, do you guys think this is going to work? No. No. I don't know. I mean, if, I think it, I think it can. I don't know if it will. I, I think I'm not. I'm not averse to it. I think it can. I think it has some will, merit to it. She will keep sending him away whenever she gets uh, frustrated with him. She will send him away. She's well, he, he, place. he can just go away. He doesn't. He just go away. Well, sure, of course, but she drove him away. She said she was. Oh crazy. my god! <laughs> and then he and he said, okay, well. How about we just go to back to dating? You know, he's completely like this meek guy who just does He everything. might be. He might be, but yeah, absolutely. She yeah, married. He him. might not be T. Don't carry on. Well, he he might might not be. Be. <laughs> she married him. It doesn't matter what well, it is. She married him. In my uh in my experience on situations like this, if it is what Yana is saying. What happens is these men eventually find someone else. Yeah. And then the woman is like, oh, well, no, you know, I just wanted this. And now you, you know, but the men move on and they move on and find somebody to want to live with in the same household with them. Someone who is more emotionally available to him. What, from what I'm gathering is that she was not an emotionally available spouse. And so she wants to have her social life. That is her most important thing. She runs a, a, a social club. That people pay for in order to like go on uh, events and stuff together, and that is her most important thing. So her family, her husband, are not that important. She shouldn't so be married. Then. Well, let's so keep in mind that their marriage was arranged. Okay, let's keep no, that it wasn't in mind. Arranged. They were dating. They were date. They dated. Oh, this okay. Okay, so I put somebody said they were arranged marriage, no, but they were pushed into you know signing the papers and making it. And I want to I want to add I want to add that being having been married what 23 years now I think we have in our culture in American culture we have this idea that when you have two people who come together they're married I I got it K Day you, you know you have two become one but we have this I think this unrealistic expectation that everything and everybody just knows what to do and they just everything is just going to fall into place and I think that puts so much pressure on people particularly young marriages young couples no, it doesn't work that way. It really isn't, you know, Snow White or, or whatever being kissed by the prince well, like that. That's what I think it's a good idea for people who want to get married to have some counseling or talk to other people who have been married. You can so do all of that, and I encourage that. But at, when you until you actually do it, when you first get married, it is not a bed of roses like the honeymoon. Like no, most people, it doesn't have like to be. It's a responsibility. So yeah, you take it is a responsibility. But to I, what I'm saying is that I think our society puts so much pressure and has these high expectations. And isn't it correct? Just, get it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just know what to do, and it doesn't always happen like that. It it doesn't happen like that. I don't think at all. So, so to that point, you do have to make your marriage yours. Like you have to. It's it's only you two in that, um, in that marriage. So you have to do what you come together to do. That's true. That's but it's true. still coming together. 
But again, in a sense, and what you were saying, Shelly, you know, this is supposed to be for eternity. This is supposed to be, I mean, you spend most of your life, if you get if you get married, you know, in your 20s, you, this is the, more, the majority of your life. You, because um, you marry, most people marry for just, you know, forever. So it is not easy. I mean, I've been married for over 16 years. It's not easy. Now, I will say the first couple of years were heaven. It was beautiful. It was, you know, getting to know each other, having a good time. But, um, you know, then it gets tough. You have, you have, you can go, when you think of a, when you think of a lifetime, you may have years where things are tough. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I agree. Right. And so you manage it and, and it's, it's a responsibility. It's a commitment. And people don't, I think people don't, Way don't weigh that enough. It is, a and also, for me, it was the opposite. My first few years, so for me, it was like a I call it like a whirlwind, and for me, because I, I I didn't know what I was supposed to do, what this world was. You know, I had you know my my church, you know the Bible, the society, things like that, and I felt like this. So for the first few years, they were not as blissful as what we make it out to be. What our image of marriage is for me, they weren't. That didn't come about until um, I was a little bit, I was maturing and learning and older, but it didn't happen like that the first few years. No, not for me, it wasn't. All right. Oh, I see the comments. Uh, so I have here, let's see here. I have Chad, be careful talking about that, KJ. You're stepping on toes for other underlying issues. Oh, I don't know what I was talking about, <laughs> um, but okay. <laughs> oh, let's see here. I have uh, Cassandra, bingo, separation first with hopes of reconciliation and not straight to divorce. All right. Uh, Patty, you all will laugh about this, but we said back in 1979 when we got married, the only way out would be a pine box. We both believed the vows were a one-time thing, and it was live, live that, and it was live that brought us, oh, life that brought us together. And we needed to work past any things that tried to divide us. That's something that's not, that's definitely missing in our day and age. I don't, I don't think people get married and think this is it. I think people get married and say this might be it, but if it's, it's an not. <laughs> Right. I think that's changed. That's definitely changed from in our generation. Yeah, <laughs> we, have, we have more. We have options now. We technology. Yes. Yeah. Instant yeah. gratification. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Patty says we have our own interests aside from each other, but we also share interests as well. We're both strong people and sometimes a bit bullheaded. Of course. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much, guys, for commenting. Uh, we certainly enjoy it. You are our fifth co-host. So uh, definitely your comments are right, we move right along with the show, and we include them in every topic. So thank you so much for joining the conversation. All right. Well, um, if you guys don't have anything else on this topic, we were moving toward the end of the show. So, uh, again, thank you so much for watching and joining the conversation. Uh, you can continue the conversation by checking us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and subscribe. That way you get up-to-minute content when we post, and we appreciate the support. 
We are an independent media company, and each time you subscribe, it helps make our voice that much stronger. So share this video on your social media, Facebook. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, and share this on your other social media platforms. Uh, check us out on our website at www.metroconservativemedia.com. We look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, count your blessings and live a life of purpose. Good night.